This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm so sorry we've had some... Well, it's a special show. Honestly, all of us are practicing social distancing today. Carlos is in the studio. Frank is at home outside Newmarket. And I'm in my home office in Prince Edward County. We're all in our respective isolation, but we will do our best to connect with you about your garden. And guess what? The second day of spring. Do we love this? I love this. Sun is shining. Gorgeous blue sky where I am. Ooh, it was very, very nice and wild yesterday. Double digits, a little frost overnight, but nevertheless, we've got some really good-looking weather coming, and spring is in the air. I'm very excited. And, of course, there's nothing like getting into the garden when we want to oof, feel better. I, I'll talk about that in a minute. But listen, you can call in. If you've got questions, please call in. Here are the numbers to call. I thought we'd have Frank up to do the numbers, but I guess I have to do all the work. If you're calling locally in the Toronto area, it's 416-360-0740. If you are calling from anywhere in Ontario, Canada, call 866-1866-740-4740. And uh, please call in. I'm certainly happy to hear from you. But, you know, here's a little known fact you may not be aware of that, um, well, Typically, I'll start this, this show with updates on Hort Society events, but of course, all the society events are canceled. Botanical gardens are typically open, but the buildings are closed because, again, we are practicing social distancing. Um, if Carlos is up for it, I think what we should do is go for a break right now, and, um, and then uh, we can come right back after we hear from our sponsors. Thank you. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And good morning. I hope uh, you're hearing my voice there, Charlie. I am. Good morning, Frank. Oh, there you go. Okay, I'm doing fun. I was mentioning off the top what a, a delight it was to hear Jeremy Logan on the newscast refer to the first weekend of spring. I know. That's got to be a nice phrase to use, huh? Hey, so what's it like at your house? It's crystal clear blue sky at mine. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let me uh, just reframe those phone numbers for everybody listening in. We, we, of course, are taking calls. We'd love to hear from you. In Toronto, call 416-360-0740. And anywhere in the province, toll free 1-866-740-4740. And uh, good morning to Carlos in the Zoomerplex, who's handling all the things back in the studio. Uh, that's who you'll be uh, talking to uh, right off the bat. Uh, have you any uh, announcements to make, Charlie? Well, Frank, actually, no. There are. Uh, there's nothing going on. Meetings yeah, are canceled. Yeah, everything's pretty well canceled again. But um, but that's okay. We've got 
gorgeous weather to be outside, and we do have some callers. So let's say hello to Joe, who's calling us from Burlington. Good morning, Joe. <laughs> Good morning, Charlie. How are you doing? Excellent. How are you? I am well, thank you. I'm well. I have a kind of a multicolored question about lavender. Uh-huh. Okay, can I grow it in a pot, which is about 10 by 10 by uh, maybe 10, 11 inches tall? When can I harvest it, if I can harvest the first year, and can I leave it outside in the winter? Right, so good questions. Uh, you're in Burlington, which is a milder part of the province, so you might be able to get away with it. Um, it generally speaking, remember, it's colder above ground than in the ground. Yeah. Lavender is not a super hardy plant. So if we had a really extremely cold winter and you have it above ground in a pot, it could die in the winter. But certainly it's easy to grow lavender in a pot through the growing season, through the, you know, the spring and summer and fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of sun, good quality, well-drained soil, only water when dry. And of course, yes, you'll be harvesting, you should be harvesting flowers through August. And that's an excellent time to trim your lavender anyway, because oh. lavender does need to be trimmed down um, just about a third by a third in late summer, and you'll find it'll just get, assuming it gets through the winter, it'll be a much bushier plant the following year. Now, when I harvest them, do the flowers have to actually be in bloom, or do they have to be finished? Well, what are you harvesting them for? You want to eat them? You want to stick them in a sachet? What are you I going want to do? stick them in a sachet. Okay. You're going to get your best aroma when they're in full bloom, but always, always pick early in the morning, because you'll have your most essential oils in the plant early mm-hmm. in the morning. Okay. Preferably when the plants are quite dry. Remember when we water, the plants fill up with water? Mm-hmm. So you dilute some of your, some of your um, various and sundry, uh, you know, things, um, I don't know how, how to explain them, oils and tannins and all kinds of little um, molecules that make lavender lavender. Uh, you want it to be quite dry early in the morning and you'll get your best aroma amongst um, essential oils. So I would be best advised to put it in the garage over winter then? Not necessarily. Garages can, uh, sometimes can be very cold as well, unless they're fully insulated. <clears throat> and remember, you don't want too warm because you don't want the plant to grow. So there's this fine line. You can, too warm and too cold. Uh, um, <clears throat> okay. is, best. is there any way you could bury the pot in the ground for the winter? Well, no, because the garden I have, is uh, there's an awful lot of hairy roots in there. Oh, okay. I'm near, there's two big uh, maple trees and a, and a cedar hedge, and, and with all the mm. fertilizer I do, they kind of creep towards my garden. Right. So I've got all these hairy roots. It's very difficult to dig them. This is why I wanted to yeah. put lavender in a pot. Right. So the bigger the pot, the better your success will be just because you've got more soil around the roots. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I'll leave a pot outside of a, of a hardy plant in a pot that uh, is in, remember, you protect it for the winter from the wind, mm-hmm. out in the sun all summer, but on put it in the east or southeast for the winter, so no wind, a little bit of sun, like very little sun, and try and just block it from extreme weather. That's oh, all. okay. Okay, and pray it doesn't get too cold. Thank <laughs> you so much. You know, a couple of bales of straw can help, all kinds of ways to kind of insulate around the, the pot. Well, I'm going to try it this year and see what happens. All right, excellent. Well, let us know how that works. I will. Bye. Enjoy. Thanks for calling. Hey, yeah, that was um, pretty fun. Thank you there. <laughs> yes, I am. I am indeed. Uh, nice to hear from the folks this morning. Uh, questions about lavender. I always think of lavender being stored in, in uh, drawers. <laughs> keep, uh, Underwear drawers. You know, yeah, uh, keep <laughs> everything smelling lovely, right? But it's one of the original aromatherapy plants. 
right? Uh-huh. Aromatherapy being a, a very trendy sort of using aromas for therapeutic purposes to, to help us relax and to help us go to sleep at night. And, and even just sometimes people get anxious flying in an airplane and they'll put lavender oil on their wrists and all of a sudden they can breathe better and be more calm. Oh, that's great. Now, listen, how, how are you making out here as everybody is self-isolating or social distancing uh, in the country? I think it's marvelous. A lot of people are doing it. Uh, truly, truly, everybody is. We're kind of waving from afar. I mean, Elliot and I are cooped up together. I don't know how long this marriage is going to last. <laughs> well, you Shirley is listening from the up. bedroom on our radio in there uh, as I'm in the living room here in the north end of uh, Stouffville. Looking, as I mentioned off the top, on a bright and beautiful morning, although a little minus nine where we're located, warmer than that in downtown at the Zoomerplex. Where are we? So, um, Frank, we do have some more calls here. Did you want to uh, flip over to Barbara, who's calling us from Cambridge? Okay. All right, let's do it. Good morning, Barbara. Oh, hi. How are Um, you? I'm calling about a rose bush. I went out yesterday to feed the birds, and I happened to see the rose bush where I feed the birds. Um, the bottom branches are all gone white, and I don't know if it's a mildew or I kind of was the rest. I have other bushes in the same area, and they're all fine except this one. Is it possible that it's been shoot, the bark's been chewed off? Oh. Um, the white you're seeing is what's under the bark. Cause, uh, I'm just wondering if maybe some rabbits had a, had a oh, good time. Oh, I didn't check that close. I just kind of shocked that I it, yeah. it was white. Look um, more closely. I, I bet you it's been girdled. When the bark has been removed from a plant, which rabbits are famous for, even mice can do this. It's called girdling when it's when the bark is missing all the way around the, each of the stems or branches of any plant. Okay. Once the plant is girdled, it will not survive. It will die. Oh, dear. I just planted it last year. <laughs> Aww. It's so a beautiful, we'll fragrant look, one. Um, it's not fully girdled. Sometimes plants are super tough and they will survive, but it, it is very hard on the plant to lose its bark. So when so they girdled it like that, is it is. normally white or would it not be brown looking? No, what we call the pith or the center of a rose, if it's healthy, is very, very pale. It's oh, almost okay. white. It's a creamy white color. Oh, okay. Because so, uh, the rest you know, are all fine except this one. And one branch of it looks okay. I'm looking out the window at it right now. But I was just uh, kind of shocked. I thought, oh, don't, don't tell me it's mildew. I thought because it was the warm weather and I thought maybe it got mildew on it. Well, if it's mildew, you'll be able to rub it off. It'll, you know, if it's your thumb, you can just take the mildew right off if it's mildew. Oh, so I don't have to use any special spray or anything to kill that? No, but I, and I'd be surprised if you do have mildew. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe not then. Okay, good. I'll go out and double check it. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you for calling. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, Charlie, Charlie wow. I think we're up to our, hey, our first break of the, uh, uh, well, pardon me, okay. second break of the show. We have to take a little commercial break, but can I take the opportunity just to give those numbers again for the Garden Show to talk to Charlie this morning in Toronto, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And Charlie Dobbin will be back in just a couple of moments to have words with you on The Garden Show as we broadcast from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. 
and a good morning, one and all. Frank Proctor here, the sous chef of the garden, broadcasting for me uh, from the north end of Stouffville. And Charlie is in Prince Edward County at her home. She and Elliot have been uh, socially distancing all this past week, as as I have. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to chatting with you. Now, normally I have a look at the monitor in the studio, which I don't have this morning. So, Charlie, you're able to tell who's online, I do believe. I am. Our next caller, Frank, is from Bradford, and his name is him or her. name is Chris. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Morning. How uh, are you? I'm pretty good. Um, I'm not much of a garter, gardener. Um, I've um, been trying to work on my uh, lawn in the back for the last 25 years. I've got uh, crocuses um, all over my lawn coming up. I was wondering when and how I can move them. Oh, no, that's so sweet. Leave them in the lawn. It's perfect. Pardon? I would leave the crocuses in the lawn. Oh. Okay, so what you do is right now the lawn is still dormant from the winter, so it's not really growing yet, and it's not even very green probably. It's starting to wake up, and the little crocuses are poking up through the lawn. Of course, they're either blooming now or blooming very soon. Oh, they're blooming. They've been blooming for a week. Oh, okay. So you're that much warmer in Brantford. Okay, perfect. So it's nice and cheerful with the blooming crocuses in the lawn. The challenge is, is that you have to leave. Okay, once they finish flowering, green leaves are going to come out of the crocuses and they're going to look like like lawn leaves, like skinny green leaves, right? Yes. You're just going to let them be. Uh, it's you. When do you normally in Brantford start mowing your lawn? Probably in April sometime, right? Maybe yes. second or third week in April. So at that point, you'll just mow as normal, and the little crocus leaves will get mowed down with the with the turf leaves. Yes, that's what's been happening. Like I've got, like I've got a ton of them. Like I've got moss and crocus crocuses more than I have lawn. Oh, I see. So you don't want that. It's too much. It sounds like it's too much. Too many crocuses. Yes. Did you say you have moss as well? Oh yes, my back. I I'm basically surrounded by maple trees. Okay. And like in those uh, summertime, if it's raining, I can walk out in my backyard without getting wet. <laughs> wow. Which is why you're having trouble growing grass. Yes. Because grass wants sun. Grass. I mean, think of the prairies, the right? Are. Where you most... get the pheromone, the sun. Yeah, you're exactly. It needs a lot more sun. So, if I were you, I'd stop fighting to grow grass, and I'd look at growing something that can will grow in those circumstances. Grow in the moisture and the dark, the, the deep, oh. the low light. <clears throat> you know, okay. some kind of there are ground covers that will grow in low light. Um, some really odd. I have ones. hens and chickens, and I have, uh, I think oh, yeah. they're called hens and chicken. I have mm-hmm. other, my bro- brother and sister in laws are pretty good gardeners, but mm. they, so they've supplied me with plants. Most of them has just died in my backyard. Right, because the light is too low. Because there are, you know, like hens and chicks are a good example. They want a bright, bright, sunny spot, and they want to live on rocks. They want to live in really shallow soil. Uh, so, and you don't have that. If you've got moss and you've got big old trees, You've got very low light, and you might have really low nutrient levels, and you also may or may not have quite a shallow soil. It just kind of depends how the soil has been cared for over the years. You know, things like, um, like we always used to use uh, what's called um, periwinkle as our ground cover in low light. 
But there are English ivy, not my favorite plant, but it will grow. I bet you just happier than a clam underneath your um, your maple trees. There's a bunch of plants that aren't ground covers, but you know, uh, there's a plant called inkberry, which is a shrub that grows in low light. It's a native shrub. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things. That, that's what I'd be doing. I wouldn't even try and grow turf or grass. Okay. Okay. I Thank you very looking, much. Looking things up here. Yeah, I know. Sorry, that isn't what you wanted to hear. <laughs> but that, you really, I think you're fighting a, a fight that you're not going to win. Well, I've lived here for like 26 years, and I've been trying to grow grass. I've, I've, I've spent a lot of money trying to grow it. I, I hear you. Yeah. No, I can hear that. So, but I just think that you've got to. You gotta work with what you've got, and if you've got that deep of shade, I mean, the other thing is get an arborist in and thin some of those maples out so some sun can come through. Well, they're not on my property. That's my oh. problem. Like I, I, I am surrounded by maple trees, but they're no, basically no. on the fence line, so they no. intertwine over my my yard. I don't have no, a no. huge yard. It's yeah. not not tiny, but it's not a huge yard. So the maple trees. I have like five trees that surround my backyard. Okay. Well, technically, if they're over the airspace of your property, you can trim them. Not that I'm suggesting you trim them right back, but in terms of doing sort of a proper thinning or just to get air and sun through. Because really, you don't, I mean, a deep, dark backyard can be cool in terms of the temperature in the summer, but you really, it's very limited what you can grow. Yes. So that's, that's a challenge. Um, I just happened to be in my home office here, and I've got so many good books. Um, I've got, I know I've got a great book here. I'll, I'll, once we go on a break, I'm going to find a book for you. So you keep listening. It's, uh, it's all, well, the, the brand new book. Remember last week we had Tara Nolan on the show. She has a book called Gardening Your Front, Your Front Yard, Projects and Ideas for Big and Small Spaces. I'm sure she lists all kinds of shade-tolerant plants in her brand new book. But I know I have another shade book here somewhere, which I'm going to look for on the next break. All right. Thank okay. you for calling. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Chris. Um, Part, let's just re- go, go ahead, Charlie. Go, go ahead, Sorry, Charlie. Frank, I didn't hear you. Yeah, no, I was just going to repeat the phone numbers. Okay. Thanks to folks for, for giving a call in Toronto. Call 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll free to reach Charlie, one eight. Six six seven forty four seven forty. You have anyone else on the line there? I do. I've got Sandra calling from Etobicoke. Good morning, Good morning Sandra. Sandra. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Thank you for doing this this morning. Oh, our pleasure. Um, I'm not going to be able to find any potting soils to start my seeds inside. Why not? Because you can't grow any. Well... We're, we're both elderly, and we're trying to restrict how often we go out. I'm not even sure that the garden centers are open. If I can't find any, can I make something up from home? The only thing I have is peat moss and garden soil. Mm-mm. I know it's not ideal, but if I can't find anything, is there a way I can do something? Yeah, so <clears throat> the problem with garden soil is it comes with all kinds of microorganisms. Mm-hmm which is really great in the ground, but it's not great to start seeds. Also, it tends to be too heavy. Is there any way you can get a, a neighbor who's going out to pick you up some soil? Because the Home Depots, uh, you know, the Lowe's, those guys, they all will have soil at this time of year. Even the grocery stores will. 
They'll have, I would, like a dollar store for sure would have okay, soil. Well, I, I will try, as I say, we're trying to limit how often yeah, we go. Yeah, out. no, I understand. Um, the, I mean, you're right. Back in the day, we used to make our own soil mixes. Um, when I went to the University of Guelph, that was one of my jobs, was mixing up potting mixes. But we would be, we would have peat moss, which is a great starting point because peat moss is typically 70 to 80% of the mix is peat moss. Mm-hmm. The other percentage, though, is things like vermiculite or perlite or um, a granular, a sand. And that's going to be your problem is you need something like that. So I need a sand, which I don't have. Yeah, you need some drainage. So, I mean, the peat moss is great, but it can't just be peat moss. You need No, no, I don't know if I could put moss. a percentage of garden soil to the peat moss. And the problem with garden soil is it's not sterile. I mean, you don't start seeds indoors, particularly in a soil that's not sterile. So you have to bake that soil. Right. Okay, well, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I know, it's not great. <laughs> Thank you for the call, Sandra. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. 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 Uh, all the very best, and thanks for a call today, Frank. Humor Radio. Yeah, go ahead, Darren. I was just saying we're getting some tough calls. Anyway. Have, you got, have you got another call online there? Yes, dear. I do have another call online. We've got over. Myra on the line calling from Toronto. Good morning, good morning, Myra. Oh, good morning, all of you, and thanks so much for putting on this wonderful show. I've got another pro, uh, another question about soil. Um, mm-hmm. I'm drinking lots of coffee these days, and I have tons of coffee grounds. Yeah. And I don't know which plants or who would benefit most from them. Outside, I have hydrangeas, a bed of lavender, rose bushes, and, well, you know, a ton of other things. Are there particular plants that would benefit from having coffee grounds sprinkled around them? <clears throat> Okay, so this is a great question because actually I have an email on this subject as well. Uh, oh, any, any plants will benefit from coffee grounds. However, the thing you have to realize is that until the coffee grounds are decomposed, like chewed up and turned into humus, they are still raw organic matter. And like in the raw form, putting them close to plants means that all the, the activity in the soil, all the microorganisms that are going to chew up the coffee grounds, rush to do that and leave the plants bereft. And the plants, temporarily, that you've put the coffee grounds around, end up with no access to nutrition. So they stop getting access to things like nitrogen because all the little microorganisms go rushing to the coffee ground, grounds and all the... The, um, the work they're doing, making the nitrogen available, is not available to the plants because it's getting used up in the process of coffee ground decomposition, if that oh. happens. <laughs> so <laughs> what do I do with the coffee ground? Well, if you have like a corner in your, on your property that you could put a, start a small compost pile, uh-huh. that's what I would do. Rather than putting raw organic matter on any plants, I mean, if you have to, you have to. If you have a vegetable garden, you could toss them in there now because you're not planting vegetables for a month or so, and they'll probably be decomposed by then. Oh, uh, great. Okay. Yes, yeah. I could throw them there. I've got a lot of garlic planted in the back, so I can sprinkle it over where that'd be coming up. Yeah. Try and get okay. some distance away from the garlic, though. Yes. Right? Oh, so okay. You've got we'll do. soil that you're going to plant. That's where I'd put the coffee grounds, or I'd start a real proper compost pile. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much. For the take care and stay safe, everybody. Thank you, you too. Thank you. And if I read Carlos's mind, uh, who's back at the station, well, both Charlie and I are distant miles apart, 
I mean, it's time for another break. And we're going to take that right now. But do call in at 416-360-0740 in Toronto, anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Charlie Dobbin and the Garden Show will return in just moments. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And everyone, we're back. Good yep. afternoon, good morning. Frankie, you still there? Yeah, I still am here. You bet. I know. I, but maybe you started talking at the same time as me. <laughs> hey, listen, I, can I just, just want to go backwards before we go to our next caller. We um, we had a call there from Chris in Brantford, and he was frustrated because he is so hard, having a hard time planting a lawn because it's so shady with all the maple trees from his neighbor's maples. I knew I had a great book here. I have a book right in front of me. It's called Planting the Dry Shade Garden. The best plants for the toughest spot in your garden. It's by Graham Rice. So R-I-C-E, planting the dry shade garden. Uh, so on and on and on. Ground covers, bulbs, climbers, shrubs, coping with dry shade. Typically under maples, it's very, very dry. So I think that this might be a book that would be of great use to anybody who's struggling to grow anything underneath a maple tree. So uh, that's just a good a, a recommendation from me. And we do have another caller. Anne is on the line from Newmarket. Good morning, Anne. Good morning. Hi, How Anne. are you? Great. How are you? Good. I have a tree in the back, and I thought at first there was rabbits taking the bark off. Mm-hmm. So I went out and brought some stuff that you put around the tree. Yeah. And then the next thing I know, there's squirrels taking it. The whole top of the tree right down is all the bark's off. So they're building a nest. That's what what it is, yeah. I have three nests around. But now, do I have to take that tree down? Do you have any idea what kind of tree it is? It's, um, I'm not sure. It's, um, it blooms pink flowers. Okay. I bet you anything it's a honeysuckle. I think that's what it is, yeah. Uh, honeysuckles have pink flowers in the spring, and they have bark that peels really, really, really easily in long strips. Mm-hmm. And squirrels love it. Yeah. You know what? Depending, I mean, if the squirrels have really gone to town, they could kill the tree, the shrub. Mm-hmm. It's really a shrub. Um, but in my experience, the, the squirrels take the outer shaggy bits of bark. Underneath is still bark that is still very well attached to the plant, and the squirrels can't get that bark. Like, they don't even try. Mm-hmm. They're really just concentrating on the stuff that's easy to get. So I would just keep an eye out. Um, you might find as the spring really gets going and, you know, the green leaves start to grow, mm-hmm. there will be some dead bits on the plant. So always at any time remove dead material from your plants. But I'd be surprised if the plant is dead. I'd be, I'd be quite quite confident that there's lots of life still in the plant, partially, too, because honeysuckles are very tough. Yeah. Well, it's not only my tree, but it's my neighbor's tree as well next door. Hers is all, the bark's all gone, too. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to have a tree expert come in, and he'll probably tell me what I should do, too. Exactly. And that's the best thing about bringing a a proper certified arborist onto your property is they can give you some real professional advice when they see exactly what's going on. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you very okay. much, and good luck to you. And well, just a, a note on that on that last uh, item, uh, Charlie, about bringing a arborist on board. It doesn't cost you anything to have folks like Davies come by to take a look at the problem on your property, and it's only, you only charge when they do the work. Is that correct? Uh, if you choose to hire them based on the recommendations, that's that's my understanding. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, it's just the idea: get a professional, come and give you a proper recommendation on next steps, and then yes, indeed, start paying if you do hire them to do that. Okie dokie. Uh, you've got to look at that monitor, which I don't. Who's next I online? I know. How do you feel about that, eh? <laughs> so listen, we have Mary calling us in Hamilton right now. Good morning, Mary. Oh, good Hi, morning. Mary. You're doing a great job under the circumstances. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I'll, I will be quick. Uh, I have a lilac bush on a standard, and mm-hmm. uh, when it blooms every year, it's beautiful, very mm-hmm. fragrant, and I'm very vigilant about uh, snipping off the dead, uh, spent blooms and the shoots, but that's all I do. Now mm-hmm. it is so dense inside <laughs> there, I don't know where to start or when to do it. I know. I see this all the time. <laughs> so basically, you've been giving it a haircut for a couple of years, yes. and now it's super dense. It's it's so thick in there. I, I don't know where to start. You know what? You could spend many, many hours just trying to figure out what to do with that plant, uh, and you still just have sore, you know, sore hands at the end of it all. What I would do is i cut it back really hard. And I would, you will lose all the flowers this year if you, oh. if you do my suggestion. But if you cut it back, you know, so how wide is it right now? Four or five feet at, the, at its top? Uh, well, it's a perfect circle. I make sure it looks great. Um, so um, five feet, six feet? Pardon me? How wide is that top uh, blooming part? Uh, I would say, yeah, about four feet or mm-hmm. so. How many years have you had the plant? Oh, over 10 years probably. Yeah. Well, yeah, so two options. One is enjoy the flowers, give it another haircut this year, just like you have in the past. So you've got that perfect shape. Or one spring, like this spring as an example, on a nice dry day, cut it back very hard so that you'll take off, take it down by half, basically. So if it's five feet across now, you would take it down to literally half that width. And like I said, you're going to risk losing virtually all the flowers for this season, oh. but it will grow back, it's obviously smaller, but it'll, it'll, it won't be quite as dense, and of course you'll have tons of flowers next spring. Oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, it's one of those one of those things. Otherwise, you would just, uh, you get out your pruners, and you stand there, and you just, after it finishes flowering, take off just like you've been doing all the dead flowers, and then start, you know, it's a bit hard to see because the leaves will be out by then, but you can start removing some of the branches, start thinning the branches by a third, not by a half at that point, only by a third. Okay, I will Okay, so if you get at it early enough in the season, you can be a little harder on the plant in terms of being a little, do, um, have more extreme pruning. Okay, will do. Okay. Thank you so much. Good luck with that. Hey, thanks. Thanks for calling in. Uh, just a reminder that you indeed are listening to The Garden Show on Zuma Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And if my wife is correct, it looks like we're up to our next break, Charlie. So okay. we'll come back in just a moment with more callers here on The Garden Show from Zuma Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, 
exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie Dalvin is calling from her home on the phone line from Prince Edward County. Meanwhile, I'm in the north end of Storville, and through the magic of radio, we're making this all happen thanks to you callers out there. Thank you so much for giving us a ring. Now, Charlie, you've got uh, an access to that monitor there. Who's next online? Um, I'll tell you in one second, but while you were thanking the callers, I just want to say thanks to Carlos, because he's actually the <laughs> conductor of all this magic. So That's uh, right. he's doing a great job in the studio. I'm amazed how much of uh, the show that I normally, when we're both together in the studio, how much the show is directed by an arch of your eyebrow or, or an expression of surprise. Uh, when I don't have that, it's, it's really weird. Don't you find it that way? Exactly. I know. I'm talking to the sky right now. Yeah. I know people are out there, and I know you're there, Frank. So it's uh, it's a gorgeous day where I am, and we have Dave on the line calling from Toronto. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. How are you guys doing? First time and, caller, hey, long time you, listener. You, but you're a first time caller. Yes. Oh, Hi. and my bell is at the station. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh, thanks for calling, Dave. What's going on at your place? Uh, corn gluten. When can I put it on? Uh, you know, the rule of thumb on that is when the forsythia are blooming. I know, but I don't have any forsythia. What can I say? You have to get some forsythia. Well, there's, there's some in the neighborhood. Um, the reason you're going to put corn gluten on is you're going to try and keep the crabgrass seeds from growing that may or may not have survived over the winter from last year's crabgrass plants that went to seed. So uh, in Toronto, you're probably still another two weeks away. But uh, yeah, you can pick up corn gluten as part of a lawn fertilizer. And it's, it, you'll be fertilizing your lawn and spreading corn gluten at the same time. So stopping any seeds from germinating that are weeds that you don't want in your garden. Yep. Okay. okay. So another couple of weeks then. Yeah, but remember, you as you're planning on doing some grass seeding yourself, some top dressing and overseeding, do that now, like today, uh, and you have to wait at least a couple of weeks for those seeds to germinate, and then you're going to put your corn gluten on to stop the crabgrass. Ah, okay, so I should put on some seed right now, because I exactly, forgot, like today, uh, I, I like forgot today, in the yeah. late uh, fall to put on seed. So. Oh, okay, yeah, or fall is perfect. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, you don't, you, if you're, you're just wasting your money if you throw grass seed out there now and corn gluten within four to five weeks of that, you, it, it won't work. Okay. Because the corn gluten won't let the grass seed grow. All right. Awesome. Thank you so very, very much. Listen, guys, I, immense show. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling. Don't be a stranger. I'll call again. Thank you. Okay. And even though it will be a second time caller, I'll ring the bell for you, David. Just let us know when I've got it at the hand. Uh, Charlie, uh, in the few minutes we've got here, we've got another call you'd like to get to? Yes, darling, we do. Oh, okay. Glenn on the line calling from Toronto. Good morning, Glenn. Uh, Good morning, Charlie. Nice to talk to you. And you. Thanks for calling. Um, so my, uh, I have a, a maple sapling that I, uh, dug out of the ground up around Huntsville last summer, mm-hmm. and, uh, I put on a windowsill, and it's, it's fairly small, about a meter tall, uh, mm-hmm. went dormant, lost its leaves, uh, and has come back to life this spring, happily, uh-huh. 
And I'm just wondering about uh, when is the best time to put it into the ground again here? Uh, well, it'll be in Mississauga. So it's in a pot and you had it in the house all winter? Yes, all winter. Huh. Interesting. Um, okay, interesting because I probably would have left that plant outside, uh, but I would have buried the pot for the winter. So it would have had a, like a normal winter and it wouldn't be, have leaves on it yet, obviously, but the buds are starting to fatten on the maple trees here. So, it, you know, things are starting to wake up. But since you've had it in all winter, you have to treat it as a very tender plant and you'll have to wait until you're frost free. So that might be the end of April, might be the end of May, somewhere in that time frame. You're going to slowly but surely introduce it outside, starting on a shady, sheltered location. No wind, no sun. And then over a period of 10 days or so, you're going to introduce the plant to the real world of sun and wind and all the, you know, the real environment. And it, it, it can go in the ground at that point once you've got it, you know, attuned to the outside. And by that time, it's probably might be late May or early June. Make sure it's clearly marked. If it's only about a meter high, you want to make sure it's not something that gets run over by a, a lawnmower or stepped on by a person or anything like that. And uh, stake it or, you know, make it obvious so that it's, uh, it's safe from anybody tripping on it. And, um, yeah, it should do fine. But because it was in all winter, you'll have to wait. Uh, until the weather's warmer to take it out. Okay, all right, that's terrific. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for calling. That was a great idea to rescue a little maple from afar. Um, there you go. All right. So I'm looking at the uh, clock here at home. Uh, we have a, a few seconds remaining. I don't know whether you have time for another caller as, as we uh, get to the end of the show here, Charlie. Well, what I would like to just share with you, rather than going to a caller, because you're right, we have like a minute and a half left, Okay. Um, as you mentioned at the top of the show, this is just the second day of spring, and it is such a gorgeous day. And while I know I'm super excited about the upcoming growing season, but I just want to make sure that not everybody knows that there are some amazing microbes in our soil, in our soil that we go out and garden in, that can mirror the effect on neurons that drugs like Prozac provide. So, like, this is, you know, I know this and I teach my students this, but not everybody knows there's evidence that soil contains a natural antidepressant that stimulates serotonin production and we benefit from connecting with nature. So, you know, we, we call our gardens our happy place, but there's no question there's actual scientific proof that bacteria in the soil, soil are absorbed through the air when we're breathing the air near the soil and through our skin when our hands are in the soil. So uh, this is a whole idea of serotonin production, making us relaxed and happier, and I think something that we want to just really be thinking about. We're, we're social distancing, but there's nothing saying we can't get out there and muck around in the soil and feel an awful lot better and connected with nature. Absolutely, Charlie. And uh, hopefully next week we'll be able to be in studio, but we'll have to wait, wait to see what the powers that be uh, say on that. Meantime, uh, you take care of yourself, my love, uh, along with Elliot at the place in uh, uh, Prince Edward County. I'll do the same here with Shirley and I self-isolating uh, at the north end of Soville. <laughs> and Carlos, thank you for a great job this morning, my friend. Yeah, thanks everybody, Carlos, Frank. Hi to Shirley. Look after your swans. We have swans in our neighborhood pond, too. Yeah, they're, they're out in the ice. <laughs> the oh, matter of our fact. ice is melted yeah. here. It's a little warmer here than you are, I think. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll touch base again soon. Thank you, everybody. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. 
Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.